In this podcast, Roger discusses three activities he invented that focus on food. Note how they encourage mindfulness, a focus on increased awareness of the senses of smell and taste, and turn the commonplace into something special. Whenever I'm asked, where did taste aerobics come from? Think back to an event I planned years ago called Melon Mania. Before I knew anything about how the brain worked and how it failed, but what I did was to try to figure out how to get as many different types of melon, not just watermelon or cantaloupe, but every type of melon that was available in the spring of that year. So I bought one of each of the familiar ones, but then I found Crenshaw and pink honeydew and green honeydew and various melons, and then quickly put together a poster that announced that the next day we would have melon mania to taste unusual melons and listed all the melons. And when I saw that the attendance was double what I had expected, I knew I was onto something with people tasting something they had never tasted before. And what I also saw was socializing the discussions between people that had tried one of those and had never heard of this one or that one. And the watermelon, I remember a discussion of whether you put salt on watermelon or not. So it was pretty clear to me that food could be a way to get people together. I remember doing the same thing with apples that fall. When we returned from a trip to the Hood River orchards with all sorts of apples, So apple mania was another one. So tasting something brand new was one track. But I was looking for something that could attract someone to guess at what flavors were in something that they had tasted sometime in their life and were tasting it again. So working with the chef, I decided to try what's now the mystery dish. And from the first time we tried it, and each time it was the same pattern. There were some easy ingredients that everyone got. There were some that no one got. And there were those that could be influenced. So if someone said that they tasted something in it, suddenly that person would say, oh, I tasted too. And maybe both of them were wrong. The one thing we had to caution against when we started teaching this was that it really wasn't a competition. We used it as a way to teach people that every person tastes things differently that some people are super tasters and some people aren't. And there's complications about taking medicine or if someone has seasonal allergies or they have a cold. So we simply used it as a way to talk about the olfactory in the gustatory system and raise their awareness that that old myth, you lose your sense of taste as you get older, is just that, it's a myth. And we were able to explain that science has shown that if you don't use your olfactory in your gustatory system, if you don't pay attention to it, then it's going to atrophy, not go away, but it just needs to be exposed to challenges to try to taste something again or sniff something so that you could smell it again. So by allowing the residents to have a mindset that what they're doing with the mystery dish is to actually exercise their brain, they're more likely to try, especially if it's fun. One of the first events that I ever designed had to do with food. At the time, I feel I knew about half of the residents, and the others I knew who they were, but they had never really participated. 
in any of the events that I planned. So I got a hold of the chef and figuring that almost everyone was there for dinner. So I figured that's a place that I could get their attention. So I talked to the chef, asked her what kind of pies they usually make, and then also asked her what kind of pies does she love to make, even if they're not on the regular menu. We then started down a list of pies that she loved to make that weren't on the menu, got permission to pad her budget from the activity budget, and make the dessert an activity. We were going to have pie tasting. And by listing how many pies were going to be served, we were able to entice people to have a little bit of this and a small piece of that, maybe a big piece of that. We had a packed house and they all stayed. They didn't run away like some of them often did. And what it also did was to provide me with an opportunity to do something that none of them would forget the next morning or even the next month. So here's what we did. We made one extra pie and only the two of us knew about it. It would be whipped cream, thick whipped cream on top. And the surprise was there was no pie underneath it. And I explained that what I wanted her to do, as I had all the pies in front of me before they were served, explaining that we had an apple and cherry and lemon meringue and, of course, banana cream pie. And when I gave her the high sign just to look at her, I would turn to my left and keep talking while she moved to the pie table and picked up the whipped cream pie and walked up on my right and gave me a pie in the face. And I had to explain to her that she couldn't hesitate. Once she got that pie in a vertical position, it better be on my face and that I would be expecting it, but I wouldn't stop talking until she reached around my shoulder and gave me the pie in the face. That one event with that one surprise sealed up my position as somebody who they didn't want to miss what this guy would be doing at the next event. Several years after the event, someone gave me a picture of me with that pie in the face. And that's available on our website and we use it every year in our Cognitive Activity Design course at the college. <music>